This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I just got done eating a bunch of pumpkin seeds, by the way. <laughs> look at the face. Look at, no. at Ochi's face. That was like a cartoon frown. Do you know I like pumpkin seeds? Because I'm American. That's why. Yeah. Duh. Because I'm a patriot. Yes. And you know what? You know how I get to eat pumpkin seeds all the time? Because of the men and women in armed forces making sure that my right to eat pumpkin seeds and OG's right to not like pumpkin seeds. That's right. That we get to have that right. Hoorah. Absolutely. Even though OG's wrong. Pumpkin seeds are amazing. So on behalf of the men and women making podcasts in mom's basement and the men and women at Navy Federal Credit Union, here's to the men and women that protect our pumpkin seeds in our armed forces. I'm sure they're really honored by that shout out. <laughs> Let's go stack some Benjamins. Nervous? Yes. First time. No, I've been nervous lots of times. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and while children write letters to Santa, you all have been writing letters to OG. He's not quite jolly, more squally. And instead of giving you presents, he and Joe will teach you how to treat yourself to a better financial future. Today, we answer letters from Daniel, Angela, Trent, James, Dorothy, and Heather. For our TikTok Minute, we look at the best way to avoid getting a bill. In our headlines, some investors in a real estate deal might be about to lose lots of money. We'll share details to keep your money safe. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Brian, who has questions about helping his fellow federal employees with their investments. And then I'll share some trivia about a letter you don't want to answer. And now, two guys who are always here for you, whether you're naughty or nice, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Oh, and it's always so fun coming to the basement after a holiday weekend. Did you miss us, peeps? I hope so, because we missed you. Welcome back to another Monday on the Stacky Benjamin Show. We're going to increase your confidence, make sure that you know that you can win when it comes to your money. And the guy who's the winner at this table, no matter what anybody else says, is Mr. Ochi. Regardless of what they say. <laughs> I hear all the talk. Doug says I'm number one in his book. <laughs> Even when we're not at the card table with each other, I say that. Can you hear that? Can you hear my thoughts? Yes. You're number one. You're number one. <laughs> we said on last Wednesday's episode how thankful we were for our listeners, and we completely are, which is why today is fueled by you. 
We are diving into all of your listener questions today. We got a full mailbag. Uh, we have a headline. We got a TikTok minute. OG, oh, we got so much stuff to get to. But before we get to all this, I have a very important announcement. Everybody listen up. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. It's like the morning announcements before school. Remember, you'd sit there in high school at homeroom. It's like, bing, okay. Bing, bing. Yeah, there it is. And uh, here we go. Let's get into our headline. Let's do it. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from Investment News. This is written by Bruce Kelly. Bad old habits die hard for non-traded REITs like Lightstone Group. OG. I put the OG on there. Bad old habits die hard for non-traded REITs. Let's dig in. The non-traded real estate investment trust industry is coming off a banner year in sales due in large part to investment powerhouses like Blackstone, Nuveen, and KKR recently rolling out products. Sophisticated real estate management is part of the pitch to investors for these new gussied up non-traded REITs. Boy, OG, I see non-traded REITs back in the headlines and think, what could possibly go wrong here? Well, I know exactly why the sales of them went up because brokers waved a dividend in front of their faces and went, but this doesn't ever go down and it uh, gets you 6% a year. How much do you want? People got schnookered, as it were. Sometimes they work out. Sure. There's been plenty of non-traded products that, that have 
done what they were forecast to do, what they were marketed to do and what they were sold to do. It just so happens that on occasion and probably on occasion, I mean, half the time, they don't do that. And those are kind of the the bad apples, so to speak, that spoil the bunch. This piece goes on to say executives and consultants in recent years have also been touting better liquidity and transparency of the product, something that you and I were railing on a few years ago when uh, non-traded REITs are being talked about a lot more than they have recently, OG, which 10 to 15 years ago, the piece says, was recently pilloried, what a great word, Bruce, for high fees, outrageous commissions, and corporate governance standards as dark and opaque as the nearest black hole. Steep commissions routinely of 7% ensured that brokers and advisors got paid before clients. Bad formula for many investors saving for retirement. Well, and that was the big issue. There's so many layers of people that are involved there and so many layers of management, including the advisor, including the the broker who's selling this stuff, gets a nice 7 8% commission on the top end. So it's an opportunity to have a lot of things. Yeah, go and, and like you, I recommended these in the past. I know one a non-traded REIT that did really well for my clients purchased uh, nursing home and assisted living facilities. Did phenomenally well. It it worked out very well. But by the same token, I do agree that when an advisor recommends with all of the investments that are out there where you can see the guts, you know how the fees are. Even if there's a fee to sell OG, it's really easy to see how that works. Anything that's dark and opaque, I think you'd have to really think twice about with how open most investments are in the market today. Well, the difference between non-traded and traded is just that. It's the liquidity. And with the liquidity, there's some downsides. You don't get that uh, higher cash flow, the higher payout. But dividend is just basically your return given to you in a different order. <laughs> you know, it's, it's still your return. It's however they decide to do it. And, and the thing that I would encourage you to look at, if you're ever looking at a non-traded product, whether it's a read or anything else, and they're touting higher than you would expect payouts, so non-traded REIT, somebody says, hey, you should buy this because it's paying 6% a year. It's paying 7% a year, 10% a year. The thing you want to look at is cash flow from operations or how are they paying that dividend? Are they paying it from the operations or are they paying it from cash flow from other people? And you say, well, that's a Ponzi scheme if they're paying it from other people. But that's exactly how a lot of the non-traded REITs work is they bring in so much money that they, you know, it's kind of hard to deploy. You can't just manifest a shopping complex out of thin air that you can, you know, you have to kind of sort of hold on to it until you find an adequate investment. And what you want to do is you want your cash to be returned to you from operations, not from the investors that are, that are behind you. Because if it's from operations, it's legit. If it's not, then you've got some questions of like, well, how long is this sustainable? What, what, what if we stop adding money to the kitty, so to speak? Then then how are we going to get paid? So keep a look on that. It's uh, funds from operations, I think, is the phrase that you want to use. FFO. Yeah, when you ask the questions, the people selling this. But let's back up because you and I jumped right into Nerdville. This is, to me, a really big headline. And the idea of buying opaque investments, so many people, you're going to hear it in a couple of questions that we've got from the mailbag that I previewed already, OG, people talking about opaque investments. But a lot of people listening don't even know what we're talking about when we say a REIT. I think we should probably back up. First of all, what is a REIT and what's the difference between a traded and a non-traded REIT? Well, REIT's just a real estate investment and collection of 
investment properties or different types of investment properties. Uh, traded versus non-traded means whether or not it's a publicly traded security. If it's publicly traded like Vanguard REIT or iShares REIT or something like that, that's publicly traded on the stock market. You can buy it today and sell it in six minutes from now if you want. If it's non-traded, that means that you have to buy it through an intermediary. And by definition, it's non-traded. So you have a lot of liquidity issues. Up to and including, you can't touch your money for a long time. Or if you do, it's a pretty severe penalty in order to get to it. Something on the order of 30% penalty type stuff. So anything that impacts your liquidity, I think has to be really strongly thought of as a big solid no, because if you're taking away something, you have to be gaining something else. You know, if you're going to say, hey, I want you to lend me money for the next 10 years, well, you know, you got to give me something for that, right? If you're going to lock my money up for 10 years or you're going to take my investment for 10 years, I better get something better than market returns. <laughs> I get market returns in the market. I don't need you to do, I don't need you to hold on to my stuff for the next decade. I can do that on my own. The problem is, is that then you start getting into some of the other complexities that we were talking about before. So, liquidity, non-liquid. It could you could say if you're thinking about traded or non-traded. Well, and even when it comes to redemptions of these non-traded products, I know that at least back in the day, I don't know if this is the case with every product, but there were products out there that could not guarantee that you could get your money out from quarter to quarter. There were times. Number one, it was once per quarter. Number two, it was if there were enough shares available, enough money that was liquid because your money is locked up in real estate. It's not like they can go sell off a couple bathrooms to take the money out. The real estate by nature is a pretty illiquid thing, but that's also got to kind of put the fear in you there too, OG, I would think, you know, that I don't know when or how you're going to get your money back. Well, in real estate's an investment asset class that you want to be participating in for sure. But if you're going to participate in it, you need to also look at the look at those issues. It's no different than if you were to go buy your own piece of real estate. How much of a pain in the butt is it to go get equity out of your rental property? You know, it's almost impossible and it takes forever to do. It's the same thing with with a non-traded product. If you want to have real estate in your portfolio and you don't want to be a landlord, I don't know why you wouldn't just use a regular traded product, a regular ETF that invests in real estate, you're going to accomplish the same outcome with none of the restrictions. The guts of this piece, which are not important to this uh, discussion that we're having, I really wanted to have the discussion that we just had, but it's just happening again. Uh, Bruce goes on to say, old habits die hard for some non-traded REIT managers. Some in the financial industry are currently worried that one non-traded REIT manager, the Lightstone Group, is jockeying to cut the legs out from under investors and therefore the financial advisors who sold the products through a series of changes to corporate charters of the individual REITs. Historically, by the way, this happens when they're kind of struggling with real estate purchases, may OG be struggling with interest rates, they're going up, right? And so they're trying to kind of change the rules that they have established, which is another reason why a lot of people stay away from these things. They can they can yeah. do it, but it doesn't build any trust in the in this yeah. market. Yeah, it's a big issue. Hey, let's move on to our TikTok minute. Every Monday we take a look at a TikTok creator who's creating some either fantastic or air quotes fantastic video on the internet. But because we kind of got a little nerdy there, OG, I think I want to keep it light with this one. Doug, you think this is fantastic or air quotes fantastic? We're about to hear. Fantastic. 
I think it definitely is, although it might not work the way this person thinks that it works. Uh, this is a comedian I really like a lot. His name is Dusty Slay. You guys know Dusty Slay? Never heard. Let's listen to Dusty talk about uh, finance here. Now, this is what happened, right? The power company taught me into going paperless, right? They were like, taught me to go paperless, and they cut my power off. I called them. I was like, why'd you cut my power out? They were like, you didn't pay your bill. I was like, I didn't get a bill. They were like, yeah, you agreed to not get a bill. I was like, listen, you asked me, did I want to get a bill? And I told you no. Maybe I'm missing something, but uh, I thought it was strange. I was like, I didn't even know that was an option. I, I would have did that from the beginning. I, this paperless thing, guys, sounds like a great idea. Yeah, you get rid of uh, the paper, saves the environment, and then all the contents saves a lot of stress. All the stuff that would normally have been printed on the paper, make that go away too. Life gets easy. You said you didn't want to send me a bill. Okay. I didn't yeah. know that was an option. Deal. Yeah. Dusty Slay right there from TikTok, a very funny comedian. A good way to end that super nerdy segment. Hey, coming up, we've got your letters We've got a full mailbag. Generally, people call the Haven Lifeline. We're going to do one of those as well today because the Haven Lifeline is your way to get a t-shirt. Uh, Stackybenjamins.com slash voicemail there. But we still get mail and we've got a bunch of them today. And we also have some questions that people asked in our Facebook group that I thought would be interesting to the podcast audience. We're going to dive into a couple of those. But first, Doug, I think you got some trivia for us. So let's go. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just got a text saying my package wasn't sent because of an address problem. Wait a minute. It's one of those phishing scams. Apparently, there's some royalty who've been involved in a scam, and that's my question. From which country are the royalty with the frozen assets? I'll be back right after I answer this exciting email. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Hey, Staggers, this is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do a shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. 
And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join, open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open, maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit navyfederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things they offer 24 seven help for their U S based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to Navy federal dot org for full terms conditions and other offers navy and federal is insured by ncua equal housing lender hey there stackers i'm fresh prince of the armchair and grammar scammer joe's mom's neighbor doug according to aarp.com the roots of this scam go back to a 19th century swindle called the spanish prisoner which started with a letter, then became a fax, and is now distributed through emails and social media. The message seems to be from a wealthy person who needs to get lots of cash out of the country and needs your help. Of course, they'll share it with you. All they need is your account number. The next thing you know, all your beautiful email memories of communications are dashed as the scammer drains your bank account. Scammers still make about $700,000 a year off of this. And what country is this royal pain in the, I mean, royal prince from? Nigeria. And now, to answer all your questions without draining your bank, it's Joe and OG. As I mentioned earlier, the star of today's show is you. We're going to dive into your letters. And so looking through the mailbag, let's start with this one from Daniel. Daniel actually asked our friends in our Facebook group, if you want to come join a bunch of other stackers, head to stackybenjamins.com slash basement. That's the easy way to get there. Request access. There's a couple rules that we have. You request to get in and then Gertrude, our room mother, will uh, will approve you getting in and then you can hang out with all kinds of like-minded individuals. David asked this question though, OG. He said, The days come and someone in my family's fallen for an annuity pitch. However, we just might have caught it in time to cancel before they're locked in for 10 years. A question, what are your preferred options for the quote cash needed to live on during the first five to 10 years of retirement? I need to be able to, when explaining this, A, provide a safe feeling solution to take the annuity's place and B, show a path for a smart retirement, especially one where the nest egg is small and the quote birds are very worried about the market and that the market can shatter their nest egg. Thank you in advance, man. I know people like this OG where no matter what you do, the market's going to scare the heck out of them. You can explain it to them all day long. And this is where an annuity actually to, you know, to my feeling an annuity might be okay. Like if I can't explain it to you 50 times, how the market works. Well, then let's do the guaranteed thing about it and you'll just never worry about it. And yeah. maybe, maybe an annuity is not the bad thing, but assuming that it is, well, let's not even assume. What do you think? Well, again, this kind of goes back to our biases and we've said this before. I, I, I don't think that there's any bad products. I just think that there's bad implementation of products. 
you know, we were talking about non-traded REITs a little bit ago. They're not bad. They're just likely not used correctly. There's a time and a place for annuities. There's a time and a place for whole life insurance. It's just that when you get sold them by the person who can only sell annuities, that's the only arrow in their quiver, then likely there's an opportunity for that to go for that to go wrong. So maybe this is wrong or maybe it's not wrong. But uh, I like from a zero to five year standpoint, the first early years of retirement has to be cash or something that looks and smells a lot like cash. Treasuries, inflation bonds these days, you know, any of those things that you're going to get your money, CD, you're going to get your money back plus a little interest. Everything beyond that can definitely be invested in the market. But like you were saying, Joe, if that's just not a thing that you're comfortable with for whatever reason, then maybe the best thing is to have the guarantees and you just say, I'm going to get my $2,000 a month plus Social Security out of my annuity and I'm going to move on. The thing that I would be most concerned with, with a fixed payout of whether it's a guaranteed benefit annuity or actually annuitizing it, which most people don't do anymore. Uh, we could talk about the differences there, but but most annuities are sold with riders. Annuitizing it, by the way, means turning it into a pension, means turning it into yes. just a set stream of income and you give up all rights to the cash. That's the biggest issue because because nowadays annuity companies have wised up that most people don't do that. So you can do that same thing with a um, an accoutrement, if you will, to your annuity. You, you say, "Well, I have my annuity, and I'm gonna well, I want to take out the same amount every year." The annuity company will say, "All right, we'll we'll do that for you without annuitizing it." The downside of annuitizing it is that, like you said, you give up all the money. So if you get hit on the you know by the mail truck on the way to get the first check, nobody gets to cash it. The whole pile is gone forever. Because of that, most people don't do that. Most people will just take some money out. Or nowadays, annuity companies have guaranteed withdrawal benefits. They say, you give us $200,000 and we will let you take out whatever, $6,000 a year for the rest of your life, regardless of what happens to this account. The downside, the one of the major downsides of this is that you've got a fixed income in a rising cost environment. I mean, just in the last couple of years, this has really been dramatically illustrated to everybody. But over long periods of time, it's just even even docile inflation numbers get pretty insane in a hurry. You know, your money will be worth half as much in 25 years from now, just with normal 3% inflation. If you're looking at kind of your investment time horizon, you're looking at your cash flow, and you go, well, I know my expenses are going to go up, but my income is going to stay flat. At some point in time, you'll either have to reduce your expenses to be in line with your income, or you're going to have to start taking principal out of your account, which is going to lower your income. Does that make sense? Yeah. It'll so, erode your ability to go back for more. Sure. So that's the biggest issue with that. Take the stock market out of it. But if we know that costs are going to rise to the tune of doubling every 25 years, and we know that the average married couple, non-smoker, somebody's going to retire, you know, and retire at 65. We know that one of those people is going to be alive at 92 statistically. So we've got 30-year time horizon. We need to make sure that there's money that's growing with the rate of inflation. And the only place that you can keep money, the only place that you can put your money that's going to grow with the rate of inflation is in the companies that actually produce the inflation. You want to be the owner of the milk company. 
that raises rates. You want to be the owner of Coca-Cola that raises Coke prices. You want to be the owner of Gillette when they make razor blades more expensive. Because- Then you benefit from that going up. Yeah. When the price of Coca-Cola goes up, you're reaping the reward. You're the owner of the company. Well, part owner. That's the only place. You can't do it in the bank. You can't do it by lending money. You go borrow money today from the bank. Yeah, you're going to pay 6% interest, but that 6% is flat. That's the annuity. The bank banks love annuities, you know, because they don't have to worry about it. 6% every single year from now until the end of time. Done. And amortization schedules in their favor. But if you're facing rising costs, you need your money in a place that's going to rise with those costs. When it comes to annuities too, Daniel talks about we might have caught it. Generally, annuities uh, get what's called a 10-day free look because they're an insurance product. In most states, I believe it's a 10-day free look where you can can catch it. And if it's the wrong thing, you can turn it back in and no harm, no foul. Is that right, OG? Yeah, 10 or 20 days. Yep. Depending on the state. And every state's going to be different and how you how you're able to deal with that. It's uh, quite a process to unwind it and expect a lot of anxiety from the salesperson (laughs) and phone calls if you decide to free look it. Well, and just to tell you how much anxiety, now, if the commission is 6% and it's $200,000, you're looking at 12 grand out of their pocket. Imagine if somebody reached into Doug's pocket and took 12 grand out, just how much he'd be in your face I'd be in your face if you took 12 bucks out of my pocket. There it is. Yes. Yeah. Our next question comes to us from Angela. Angela says, I've been saving for a while into an American Express savings account. I decided to move the funds to Capital One as their rates are about half a percent better. The issue I'm having is that Capital One keeps putting restrictions on my account. I have to call multiple times a day for this restriction to be removed. I already sent them a copy of my driver's license. I'm at my wit's end. I keep asking customer service why they keep restricting my account and I'm not getting any answers. I'm on pins with the thought that my funds might disappear and I have to go to legal routes to get it back. Has anyone had this issue with Capital One? Just about to transfer it all back to American Express. Number one, the good news is, Angela, they can't legally take your money. Capital One can't take your money. But OG... She's having problems uh, switching from savings account to savings account. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't help but feel pretty frustrated when this happens, especially if you've kind of done all the parts right, right? Assuming that you're on the up and up and a upstanding citizen and not uh, subject to IRS issues or crime of some kind that they're trying to track you down. And that's why they're having issues. If you've done all the things that you're supposed to do, and then they're still trying to kind of play these games, I would be gone by the end of the business today. Uh, like there's, there are too many banks and too many places to put my money to deal with nonsense. People leave companies because their tech platform sucks, right? Like your app sucks. I'm moving the money. You know, it's like, okay, if you're not getting any love from Capital One, peace. Go back to Amex or any of the other places. Go check out... Uh, Magnify money, obviously. They, uh, they'll they give you all the best rates. They'll so. compare. You'll see American Express on there. You'll see Capital One on there. You'll see everybody compared. If you go to stackingbenjamins.com slash magnify money. You know, one thing I want to bring up here too is that Angela is spending a lot of energy on a half percentage point. And I don't want to poo-poo too much, OG, the 
half a percentage point over long periods of time, that can end up being a significant amount of money. She has a significant amount of money in that space, but if she's keeping a significant amount of money in a savings account without a purpose, that might be a problem, which means that for most people listening to this, if you're moving money from one spot to another spot to capture minuscule rates of return, I don't think you're thinking about the big enough issues. I think you're probably focused on the, on the wrong things. My second grade teacher used to say you're putting the accent on the wrong syllable when you're, when you're trying to like learn how to read in first and second grade. I, I get it. Half a percent, especially now, if you've got a decent cash reserve, could be, uh, could be a decent amount of money. But even if you had $100,000, it's 500 bucks a year. It's 500 bucks a year, $40 a month. So find the thing that makes the most sense in terms of usability for you. Even if it costs you a few bucks a month, if you're happy with Amex, I would just leave it with Amex. Yeah, because Amex will raise the interest rate on that account to stay competitive. Uh, yeah, maybe not today should. or tomorrow, but they will they will stay competitive. The thing that I want to make sure is clear here, uh, everybody, is that we are not uh, saying that $500 is an, an amount of money to make a move for. I just bet that there are 10 other moves that Angela could probably make that will, with that same amount of time, that will yield her larger than $500. Well, especially on the on the side of the, you know, once you get the calculations in there of the fact that you've wasted time dealing with the issue, right? When it's an easy transition, cool, make it easy. But once it starts becoming complicated, you're kind of eating into your extra 500 bucks in this case, you know? Trent wanted to go back to when we were talking about choosing mutual funds and exchange traded funds. Had a question on that episode from a few weeks ago. We'll link to it in our show notes page for people that missed that. We also, by the way, after that episode, created a handy guide to the funnel that OG and I talked about when we evaluate investments. Just go to stackybenjamins.com slash compare and you will see kind of the guide to that episode. But he asks about between mutual funds and indexed ETFs, he had a question. So if you're choosing an index, OG, is there any reason this day and age to choose an index mutual fund over an index ETF? Aside from having an affinity to the fund manager, why would someone choose a mutual fund? Well, if you're buying an index fund, you don't really have a fund manager. <laughs> you have, you, you know, nobody's managing it. They're, they're I mean, I guess kind of, they have to be in charge of making sure it looks like the index, but there's no discretion there. So yeah, I think Maury's talking about manager. if you've got T roll price, let's say, and T roll price doesn't have an ETF. They only have a fund and all my money's with T roll price proprietarily. So, okay, I'm going to use their S and P 500 yeah. fund. I think that's what he's talking about more than a fund manager. Yeah. Okay, fine. Again, this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about before. It depends on like how complicated it is and what, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze if all of your business, using your example, if all your business with T. Rowe Price, and now you're going to go have one Lone Ranger account because you want to do Vanguard ETFs when they're effectively kind of sort of the same thing, and it's not going to save you any money or make your life any simpler, I don't know that I would do that. But if you have an opportunity, if you're kind of starting from scratch, I don't know that I would purposefully seek out the more expensive, more complicated thing. Just keep it simple. Use the easy ones. You know, uh, mutual funds in most cases are easier to set up a monthly purchase plan. So if you 
if you're buying every month into the mutual fund, I don't think uh, in a lot of places, OG ETFs just still don't have that technology. You may have to manually buy them every month. Isn't that true? Yeah. Unless you do something with like an automated platform like Schwab or Betterment or Wealthfront or something like that, where they're going to, they're basically automatically going to invest your money every time you deposit it. But mutual funds by themselves, that's a part of the structure of mutual funds that they offer these automatic investment services. I think to your point, OG, that more and more platforms will make it so that you can buy ETFs the same way you buy mutual funds on a consistent monthly yeah. basis in your Roth IRA or whatever you're trying to do. I think that's coming, but it isn't there yet all the time. So that might be a reason to buy a mutual fund is if you're buying monthly. Uh, but I think generally the structure of the ETF where it's going to be tax efficient, especially outside of your IRAs and Roth IRAs is easily, uh, usually the better move. Yep. James had a comment. We have a few comments here for the show that I wanted to bring up. And these are some great additions. I love the fact that, that I love the things that, uh, our stackers bring us. James says, howdy, one thing I thought you want to mention sometimes, unclaimed property. OG, have you ever gone and looked at uh, unclaimed property? Yes. And did you find anything? I did. And then they, uh, it was like a $40 check from my old office when I had an office in Michigan. And after sending them my copy of my driver's license and social security number card, they said I was not the same person, despite there only being <laughs> just me at that address with my name for the better part of 10 years, apparently I was not uh, the right person. So back to our discussion of like time value of money, that was the effort I was going to put into it. I was done. But that's a pretty great discovery. I mean, you're digging through that bin and you found a check for 40 bucks. I found an old pair of Crocs that had like some slime on them. (laughs) That's that's good. Now I, I, I looked once just searching on, the last name and saw that my grandmother had like deceased, long deceased grandmother had an $80 something or other. And I thought, I don't know what this process is going to be, but trying to claim something, (laughs) you know, two generations removed from somebody who's deceased cannot be worth the 80 bucks. So I just moved on. You surrendered it to the state of Michigan. Yeah. They use it for good purposes. Once the government's involved, that's good. James actually did some work on this. He said there's a lot of money hanging out there with the states. In fact, Joe has two entries on the Texas unclaimed property website. Apparently, after we removed the last money from You Promise for my kids' college, my kids are now 27, uh, there must have been a dividend because there's $26.39 sitting in You Promise. And then nice. uh, $73.73 from Google might be back, OG, from our days of the free financial advisor website. I have no idea. He said, I'm not sure what Man. OGs and Doug's last names are. Hasn't done enough uh, digging. My last name is G. 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 Yes. And Doug's last name is Neighbor. Well, it's no, it's Doug. And the first name's Neighbor. Doug is his last name. (laughs) He says, so I couldn't check for them. I live in Tennessee and occasionally search the site myself. And people I know, I've claimed about $500 for family members, estates, and identify one claim that was for over $1,500 for a former coworker. It's easy to search, at least in Tennessee, the people that work in the department are extraordinarily helpful. So James had a different outcome than you had, OG. His was his was real easy. Uh, he said also said, P.S. If Joe claims his hundred dollars or so in unclaimed property, I'd appreciate a t-shirt. Gotta have something to wear when you're mowing the grass. I will I will I will do that. 
sounds good. If it's easy here in Texas, I have, I have no idea how easy this is going to be. Another James. We've got two James here. This James says, howdy guys and Doug. I was listening to your podcast and heard <laughs> OG said that he'd never heard a social security record being wrong. I remember when I asked you, we were talking about, you need to check your social security records. And then I said, OG, have yours ever been wrong? And you said, no. Or have you ever seen one that's wrong? No. And I also answered no, that I'd never seen being wrong. Uh, James said, neither had I in a prior life. I was a CFP for 10 years until it happened to me. After some issues with the IRS for my 2019 filing, I checked my social security record for 2019. Social security says my earnings were $0 and 00 cents and they were not. My company had merged with another and there was a payroll system migration that went poorly and they inaccurately reported my and other employee earnings to both the IRS and social security. I resolved my IRS issue and I'm getting started on the social security issue. My advice, and this was actually our advice at the time, was don't take our word for it that we've never seen it. Our advice at the time was check it out and make sure that yours is right. And he says the same thing. My advice, check your earnings record with Social Security. The information is always correct until it isn't. It doesn't take too long to check. And you really need to do it every couple of years. Tell people to check. Well, James, that's exactly if you go back and listen what we said. And I'm glad, though, that we've got somebody who saw that it was messed up. Sounds like bank error in your favor. Like you get all that FICA tax money back. Like, I don't know what to tell you. It says here I made zero dollars. So I'm going to take my refund of FICA, please. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Like taking a player to be named later. Yes. Yes. Check your social security every so often. um, If for no other reason than just to get your own login. This is just one of those things now that you need to claim. Like when the new social media thing comes out, you need to claim your name. Like that, you just need to be that because you don't know like what they're going to do. Like Google, you have to have your own email address. I think it's a great idea to double check your earnings history every, plus it's a fun trip down memory lane. Like, huh. Made $17 that year. Weird. Dorothy writes in the errors and omissions column that we had a slip of the tongue I went back through this OG and listened and we were just going very fast. And she said, OG is mistaken. Taxation on social security benefits is not age dependent. Taxes stopping at age 70 is outdated information. And Dorothy, you know what? Uh, We did say that on the episode, but we were moving incredibly fast. She gives us an ARP website, but uh, I think OG, you already know (laughs) that, that information. And we were just going very quickly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I remember that episode we were talking about social security, obviously, you know, you got to pay taxes on social security, but it does change based on, uh, how much money you make and also kind of when you earn that money. So, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. So you uh, most definitely pay taxes. Sorry if I misspoke. Thank you for that, Dorothy. You know, it's funny making three episodes a day, three episodes a day. Wow. Three. Ep- what it feels like. We are not doing that. <laughs> it feels like two anyway, doesn't it? Sometimes it feels like two episodes. There are days when it feels like two episodes. Sure does. does. We are not doing that. You make three episodes a week and we're, we're closing in on episode uh, 1300. Uh, I love the fact that uh, our community helps us out. So thank you very much for that, Dorothy. Uh, next up is Heather. Heather wants to go back to when we have Phil and Danielle Town on. That was fun. She said, I just finished listening to the Phil Town episode, and I had a question about a comment he made. Phil was talking about Ray Dalio 
Ray Dalio being the amazing money manager who uses a macro approach, goes top down, starts off with kind of the economy, what's going on, and works his way down to what companies are great under those conditions. Phil mentioned that he uses the opposite approach, by the way. He starts with the company and dives into what's going on at the company, much more of a Warren Buffett type approach. But she wondered this, OG. She said that Phil was talking about Ray Dalio's market outlook and said that, quote, for investors like us, this is an opportunity to build generational wealth. Obviously, Heather says, the stock market is and presumably will continue to be for a while on sale. But I was wondering if you could elaborate on what dynamics and what behaviors besides continuing to dollar cost average into the market contribute to this environment and opportunity. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you, Heather, for the question. OG, what contributes to to the market being on sale that makes the opportunity? That's all she's asking. She's not asking what did Phil say. Phil, Phil was even deferring to Dalio by going, I don't know. I don't invest that way. Uh, I'm not a macro investor. But here's what he said, is that this thing's going to be low and it's an opportunity for you to build wealth. Meaning, buy. If, you, if you're able to keep a job, buy, 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 which is what she's saying. Continue to dollar cost average. So what factors would keep this market low? I think the important thing to recognize is that nobody has any real idea what tomorrow's going to bring or next week or next year. We can look at a lot of statistics and look at a lot of history and say, well, the last time the market did this, then dot, 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 it does this 87% of the time, It whatever. The overarching kind of theory that I think about is how do I take my earned income and turn it into money that's going to make more money? And the, the faster that you can transition your earning power into producing money that sits and does and makes its own money so that you don't have to make money anymore, the better off you're going to be. And one of the easiest ways to do that is just to keep on investing. Now, if the market's down 20% from where it was a year ago, to me, that seems like a great opportunity. If nothing else, then it just gets back to even money as it was January 1st. So if I have extra, I, I you know, I kind of want to lean on that a little bit. I would be willing to forego a little bit of lifestyle or cash flow right now in order to kind of sort of double down a little bit. That doesn't mean that tomorrow's not going to be lower. It doesn't mean that five months from now, I'm, I'm going to look back and go, ah, oh, crap, the market's 20% lower than it was when I bought this stuff in, in December or January or uh, November. But I know that in five years from now or 10 years from now, and I'm certain in 20 years from now, that this will be a very attractive entry point. So I'm not trying to find the best number. I'm trying to find a good number. I mean, that's how I think about it. Yeah. You said this a few episodes ago, OG, in a a pretty simple way, or one that at least that resonated with me. Uh, You said something along the lines of, look, you liked it at this price when it was on its way up. Why don't you like it at the same price when it's on its way down? Like, who cares what direction? If you liked that thing at that price... 20 years from now, it'll never be that price again. So you might as well just do it now. Who cares why it got to that price again? Did I get that at all right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not at all smart enough to have any real significant prognostications on what the market's going to bring, like those really smart people like Dalio and Phil Town. And, you know, these people have opinions about where the economy is headed in the kind of short and intermediate term. 
but I believe very strongly in the fact that in a decade from now or two decades from now, there's going to be stuff that we have, we don't even know exists. I mean, just what a week and a half ago, we launched another rocket to the moon, and I was reading a Wall Street Journal article about it. Like, why is this so important? It's been 50 years since we put it. You know, who cares? It's the moon. We checked that box, been there, done that, got that T-shirt, and people are like, no, 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 no. We're going to make drugs in outer space because the environment that drug manufacturing needs is great in zero gravity or in outer space. We're going to use some of the resources and some resources that we don't even know exist yet that are on the moon or on Mars to create God knows what. I mean, I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day about a credit reporting agency called LexisNexis. And some people are familiar with that. That, that. That's the company when you go to log in and it'll say, you may own, have owned a 1997 Chevy Cavalier. What color was it? And you're going, how do they know I knew uh, it's red? You know, how do they know? Well, LexisNexis knows everything. Anyways, we were talking about getting a, a, a report. You can get a consumer disclosure report, which is all of the stuff they have on you. But what was interesting when I got mine was it had my first college email address, which... I couldn't remember what it was now, but that was in the mid nineties, which wasn't that far removed from the first email address, <laughs> you know, like in terms of like mass, when did OG kind of get AOL for the first time? Like in the, in the mid nineties, early nineties, right? That was just 30 years ago. Like in 30 years from now, like the internet has been mainstream for 25 years. And in 25, it just blows my mind to think about all of the stuff that's happened in the last quarter century and you go, well, what's going to happen over the next quarter century? Like I, I can't, I can't even, I can't even fathom. So because of that, I just have such great, such great faith in the future that I don't really worry too much about what the, what the market's doing today. You know, if Heather's question is around what are the macro conditions that make this recession last, I think, oh, gee, this would be recession number three for me during my professional life. And, you know, the first two were completely different from each other, right? The 2000 to 2002 downturn, mostly related to technology. And then the stock market falling made valuations then fall of companies. So companies were leveraged and then they had to let people go and unleverage and slow things down. We had in the, you know, 2007, 2008 was mostly real estate related um, by and large, but there were, of course, other factors uh, affected, you know, uh, auto industry, then going bankrupt and money markets and problems in banking uh, over leveraged companies again. This time, you know, we're looking at inflation, but it's different every time. I think trying to predict what the lever is to your point, if Heather, if that's your question, would be a mistake if that is your question. Well, it's just hard to do. And you'll either be right or you'll be wrong. And my, and my follow-up question to, okay, let's say that you know what it, like, who cares? Are, are, is, your, is your behavior going to be any different? There's nobody who knows when it ends or how it ends. And you're not going to guess it right. So why put any energy on that? Focus on the things that you can control, like, like right now. Inflation's high, interest rates are high. If you have consumer debt, you should really be focusing on that. You know, if you have extra cash, you should be really focusing on how to deploy that into assets that are going to grow. Yeah, relieving yourself of debt in a high interest rate environment's a good idea. But Heather, you're already nailing it. Continuing to dollar cost average in the market. How many questions have we had so far, OG, already about 
either I've stopped or I'm considering stopping my dollar cost averaging because the market seems to be struggling. I think what Phil was referring to is that this is the worst time to stop doing that. Yes. Agreed. Thanks for that question. Thanks for all of those questions. And by the way, the best way to ask a question, the ones we're getting to right now, because we're going to throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, Doug, they put what you value first. Snow shovels. <laughs> good snow shovels that... What? Why? Good Why did I get that noise? It's a good one. Because it's snowing. Snow sucks. <laughs> Shoveling snow sucks. Oh, Jesus, like move someplace where it, do it, where it doesn't snow. I agree with you, Doug. I would live I in Vermont in the winter in a heartbeat. Just a- Yeah, but you, you still need a good snow shovel that, you know, sometimes the metal blade on the front of the snow shovel gets like dinged up and nicked up on stuff. And then it just caught, and then it's scratching your deck or whatever. And so, but a good snow shovel, man, that's a, that's a useful tool. It gets you outside in the winter, gets you active. It's good stuff. It says here your loved ones in your time, and I'm thinking my loved ones with a snow shovel in their hand so I don't have to do it (laughs) is the true answer to this. Get out there, Mom. Yes, they may buy quality term life insurance. Actually simple. You go to stackofbenjamins.com slash havenlife now for a free quote. They have taken the application. They put it all online, stackofbenjamins.com slash havenlife. And they've streamlined, they've gotten rid of all the questions they already know the answers to, no waiting several weeks for a decision, prices are affordable, and of course, different than some of the companies that are in fintech, uh, this company has policies issued by the parent company, Mass Mutual, which is more than 160 years old. And today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to Brian. Hey guys, this is Brian from Southern California. Just calling to get some help. I'm our uh, resident finance guy at our workplace. Uh, we're government employees, so most of us have pensions. And getting everybody set up on a with a 457B is easy because they have the workplace rep. Super easy. The problem is, you know, all you have is a workplace 457B, and there's just so much more. Whether you want a Roth IRA or a taxable account, you know, putting your savings into a high yield savings. So. Most guys, at least in our part, our workplace, they just go to work and maybe they contribute to the 457B. So to get them to do everything else is what I'm trying to do, but it's just tough. They don't understand. They can't really get set up. I explain, you know, I'll say, hey, go to Schwab, open an account. Nobody really can pull it off. They end up calling me, texting me all day. They just don't understand. And I know it's hard. It is hard. So I was wondering... I just feel like there could be a way where the industry could make it easier to get signed up because once they get signed up, they, they do it. They send the money and they get excited. It's just like, if you click open an account, I wish you could just be able to put your name, bank info, hundred bucks. Maybe it defaults to a U.S. total stock market or a target date fund, hundred dollars first of the month, send it and we're done. And then later they can maybe add to it once they learn more, but the setup is tough. Thanks for that question, Brian. And by the way, I like the uh, run on sentence. I think you ran out of time. What, what's the question? Uh, I think the question is, is can you make it easier for, oh gee, uh, can the, can the industry make it easier it's for pretty easy right now, man? Like you just click the button that says open account. You put your name and social in there, date of birth and link your bank account and hit send. Like we were talking about earlier, you can't automatically do dollar cost averaging into ETFs, 
but there are programs that allow for that. Betterment, Wealthfront, Vanguard has that, Schwab has that through their individual intelligent portfolios platform. You kind of answer some questions. So I don't know that there needs to be much more of a workaround. It's, it's pretty good right now. Pretty good. A lot better than it used to be when it was paper and pen. I can tell you that much. You used to have to open an account at each place where you wanted to have money. If you wanted to buy a Vanguard fund, you'd open a Vanguard account. And then if you wanted an American fund, you'd open an American account. If you wanted a Franklin Templeton fund, you'd open a Franklin Templeton account. All the different places, all with paper and pencil so or pen. So um, I think it's pretty good. I found that the last two fintech-related accounts that I've opened were way easier, OG. I opened a Cube Money account, which is not a brokerage account like he's talking about. It was just a, a budgeting checking account. And I also opened an M1 Finance account a few years ago that I have. Both of those I was able to do on my phone and they were easy. But I'll tell you, there are two pieces of information you want to bring to the table which I know hamstrings people that, that get frustrated by this, and that's you need to know the routing transit number. And some people are like, what the hell is a routing transit number? You just got to get it. It's from your bank, and it's so you can get money into the account. Get the routing transit number and have your account number handy. The frustrating thing for me, if Brian, the employees around you are having the same problem, is that when I went to look for, for that stuff, the routing transit number, not easy to find. And then the second piece, my account number always defaults to the last four digits, right? Just the last four digits. So then I got to go find a thing because every piece of everything I have online just has the last four digits. So if they have those two things, OG, I'm with you. It's, 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 it's pretty easy. But if he's trying to, to help people at work, make sure that they get where they want to go and they're not going to have any friction, just to have those two pieces of information ready and you're going to fly through it. It'll help. Yep. Are you laughing at me and my difficulties? <laughs> yes. <I am. laughs> like, have you tried Google? Where you're just like, "Hey Google, what is the routing number for Chase?" Like, it's pretty Googleable. But they don't know how to do that. They don't know that. They don't know okay, that. Boomer. You see, you see, routing. Tra- no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I know what Brian's going through because people don't know that. They just don't know. No, it's okay. Yes. You know what? I had this difficulty with trying to pay something online. There are oftentimes two routing numbers. There's a there's an EFT and a and a wire. Why are you laughing? I gave the wrong number once and it caused a problem trying to pay Tucker's rent. I think this is hugely important. This is exactly what Brian is dealing with. Is that and 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 OG's rolling his eyes going, come on, do a Google search. We wouldn't be losing half of America if people thought this was easy. Like we seriously wouldn't be. And I know that in a lot of financial people's head, they're like, dude, like when I've asked OG questions before, he doesn't he doesn't tell me the answer. He sends it via let me Google that for you. So he sends it that way, like, duh. Yeah. Dude, the yeah. answer's like this far away. People don't think that way. And we're missing people. So I think if we give people a little bit of grace, OG. Yeah. So I'm looking at uh, online at my bank and I have two routing numbers for my checking account. One says paper and electronic and the other says wires. And so I assumed when I was trying to sign up to pay rent on the Finterns apartment at school that uh, 
well, this is electronic, so, and, like, wiring money back and forth. So I put the wiring thing in, and, well, like, three months later, I'm starting to get penalties because they hadn't, they, they didn't tell me I put the wrong number in. I just hadn't paid, I thought I was paying rent automatically, and I wasn't because I put the wrong routing number in. So it's not super obvious. No, and the other thing people don't know is that often wires come with these fees, where if you use the ACH, you know, which I think stands for antiquated crap, uh, what's the H stand for? Antiquated crap something. But if you use the ACH, horrible. it's going to be free. Yeah, horrible. Versus a wire, you're not going to pay any fees. Nobody knows this crap. Like it, it is, it is frustrating, Doug. But yeah, stay away from the wire. Get the routing transit number. Get your account number. And I think, Brian, that's what you do. I don't. I don't think the banking industry is going to swoop in and save you, unfortunately. Thanks for the question, Brian. And you know what? We're going to send Brian a T-shirt for asking the question. Everybody else ask questions. However, if you really are brave and send it in via voicemail, stackybenjamins.com slash voicemail, we will send you a shirt for your trouble. Hey, uh, looking at the community calendar, we are now moving toward December. Can't wait for you to hear this week's shows coming up on uh, Friday, by the way. We're going to be talking about tipping. What is the right, you know, we're getting to that season, OG. Time to time to tip people. And uh, what do you tip? Wait, wait a minute. We only have to do that like at a certain time of the year and it's coming up. You're telling me I didn't have to do it all the rest of the times of the year? Nice on like Dusty Sleigh. Wait a minute. Wait a Hold second. On. How did I miss a memo? Yeah. And coming up on Wednesday, Tracy McCubbin, who has our most watched YouTube video. She was uh, the person that we were chatting with. Tracy is an organizational expert talking about getting rid of the clutter. Hard to think about stacking Benjamins when you've got clutter around you. And I know, OG, in your family, you've dealt with this with people Dealing. with, yeah, with some exit clutter just makes it Present very, tense. yeah, makes it very difficult. So Tracy McCubbin going to help you. And even if you're not, by the way, a hoarder or a clutter, every time Tracy comes on, she brings some great stuff that I haven't heard before. And she's got a new book. So we asked her to come by and chat with us. So clutter on Wednesday and on Friday, we're talking tipping. Uh, but if you're not here to talk clutter, here to talk tipping, you're here because of the fact that, you know what? I'm worried about the markets. I'm worried about this chatter around a recession, kind of like Heather was asking in today's show. Ogina's team have put together a free guide that shares eight moves to make in a down market. It helps you plan more and panic less no matter what the market does. So go over to stackingbenjamins.com slash guide. That's stackingbenjamins.com slash guide. You get that helpful free guide from Ogina's team. So thank you for that, sir. All right, Doug, I think that does it. We'll see everybody back here on Wednesday, Doug. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from OG. Investments that lock up your money? Ask lots of questions and see if there are easier options before diving in. Often, these are loaded with fees and are harder to get out of than Joe's mom's kitchen duty. Second, choosing between a mutual fund and an exchange-traded fund? The ETF is usually a little cheaper, so that might be your best option. But if you're trying to automate your trades on most platforms, the mutual fund will be easier. But the big lesson? Never help a prince in need unless they email you directly. Ooh, here's one that needs my help. What? That wasn't a takeaway? My bad. 
This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. It's getting to that time of year. There are so many movies coming out, just so many movies coming out that look good. I hate it when I go to the theater and all of a sudden I see 50 movies that look fantastic. What do you think about this new Avatar movie that's coming? Yeah, hard, hard pass. Did you guys see the first one? Yeah, hated it. Yeah. OG, OG hit the button. Not for you. Yeah, no, I I mean, I watched it. I, I'm, you know, I like the story that Matt Damon talked about, uh, about that movie. No, I didn't hear it. On it. Matt Damon said that, um, he was in the middle of shooting the final parts of born ultimatum, which I guess maybe is the last born release that he was in perhaps. But anyways, he said that James Cameron called him and said, hey, I'm doing this movie called Avatar and uh, we'd really like you to be a part of it. And he's like, nah, I'm good. I got to do this thing. He goes, I'll give you 10% of the movie. And he goes, nah, I'm good. It's everybody's in blue or something. No, I'm good. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> he would have a ride at Disney, right? He would. Yeah. yeah. He, wouldn't, he wouldn't be shilling Bitcoin. <laughs> be named in a lawsuit. Right. We've got Aquaman yeah. and the Lost Kingdom coming. Oh, God. 
The first one was laughably bad. <laughs> laughably bad. You know what I just noticed on some commercials, and maybe it's been going on for a year and I just didn't pay attention to it, which is more likely, but you'll see an ad for a movie in theaters and then it shows the Netflix like splash page. So they're making stuff and putting it in theaters before it's coming to their streaming service or maybe simultaneous, but I just didn't know that they were making movies that they were distributing through theaters. They've been right. They've been making movies for for years, but I didn't know they were putting them in theaters. That was news to me. Yeah, the movie I want to see that's already out. When people hear this, is the Fablemans, the one about the yeah. the, the kid who wants to be a director. It's um, Steven Spielberg, I believe. I was going to say, isn't that semi autobiographical about Steven Spielberg? Sure, seems like it must be. But yeah. those previews look great, and hopefully by the time people hear this, I've gone to see that because that looks pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I agree. That one did entice me a bit. My kids are too old for this, but the new Puss in Boots movie, I thought the last Puss in Boots movie was hilarious with with uh, Antonio Banderas. But you're not the... too old for it, are you? <laughs> Probably not. That movie was funny. You know, of course, part of the Shrek universe and uh, just super, super funny stuff. Uh, this movie, Babylon, with uh, Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie, which is about Hollywood, Back in the earlier Hollywood days, also looks really interesting. That's going to be coming out on December 23rd. Uh, Knives Out. Did you guys like Knives Out? That was super fun. Uh, I didn't love it, and you yelled at me for not liking it. <laughs> I should have. That was great. Oh, gee, did you ever go see Knives Out? I remember talking to you about Knives Out, too, because I thought you'd really like it. Uh, there's a new one called Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Again, Daniel Craig playing. I, I just can't get over him. I can't get over him with the Southern accent, right? As the right. Uh, as the detective with the American Southern accent, it just messes with my head to hear 007. Very strange. I didn't hate the first one. It just, it just, I didn't love it. It was a, it was just. I, I mean, I know it was supposed to be campy. It was just a little too. Felt like it was contrived campiness, which just seems like a, you know. Exactly what I was expecting. That <laughs> was exactly, yeah, right. I was going to say contrived. I, mean, going for. I would absolutely describe that as contrived, campy. Yes, all the above. Oh, gee, you got to be excited about something. TV show coming out, movies coming. Oh, I really haven't paid a lot of attention to any movies because, you know, there just hasn't, I mean, ever since COVID, there hasn't been anything really super super notable other than Top Gun in my purview. I am watching the uh, the latest installment of The Crown, which I guess they <sighs> held off on for a while till the Queen passed. So, you know, be interested to see how that goes. Um, and then, Cheryl, and then Cheryl's still, finishing still that without me. Yeah. Three seasons behind on Yellowstone. So we're, we just got to, we just got to earmark a few days to just power through that over the holiday break. So, couple of things we started Yellowstone you know they did the double episode when they when it premiered a couple of weeks ago and I realized it's kind of lost the magic for me uh, it's kind of turned into a music video almost and uh mm. yeah there's lots of scenes that just don't it's like they're there solely for the purpose of playing a cool kind of country song and showing some sweet shots of Montana and it's beautiful to look at, but I'm just kind of, I'm losing the thread a little bit on Yellowstone. Crown, I can't wait for. Uh, a huge fan of that show. I just haven't started it yet. 
OG, I think a show you might be interested in, I am, so you must be, coming out on Fox, TV show coming out on Fox on January 4th called Special Forces, where celebrities have to do some of the challenges that Special Forces people have to do. And you know that it's not even going to be close. It's going to be 10% of what actual Special Forces people have to do. But sounds kind of cool to me to see that stuff. Thought you might enjoy that. Okay. I thought of all the things we've seen lately, you would have liked Reacher. You talk about I didn't like Reacher. Not from COVID. Yes. Yeah. But you I said there was like nothing Reacher. out besides besides Top Gun. Like Reacher was really good. Okay. But he's already seen I mean, it. It was he, like seven months ago. But yeah. You're talking about stuff coming out new, like new stuff. I don't I, don't I know, know, but right. the comment you made, you said, well, since COVID started, the only thing that's been good was movies. I was talking about movies. Oh. Like I haven't really paid attention to movies. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you'll love Avatar. Go see Avatar. (laughs) Wow, that button's getting worn out. (laughs) Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, O.G., who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.